Welcome to our podcast here at Trinity West Church. We believe that you will be enriched by today's message. Let's open our hearts to receive God's Word. He is an amazing man of God, and we're blessed to have him here today. So if we can, give a warm welcome for Pastor Dan. Thank you so much. It's good to be here with you today out in Loxahatchee. As uh, Brent was saying, I was with the church for about 10 months, and I see all these amazing-looking youth over here. Man, let's give it up for our youth group. What a blessing. They are awesome kids, man. Good to see you guys again. want to give honor to uh, your pastors, Pastors Brian and Cynthia. Joanna and I love them very much. And uh, we're, we're proud and honored to call them friends. And when we had our baby, I'll tell you a funny story. When we had our baby, uh, Pastor Brian was telling me, Dan, I'm going to bring you some food. And I'm like, man, that's so nice from you, man. Thank you so much. And he told me about three times he's going to bring me food. And then when the day came to bring me food, he didn't even show up. He sent Miss Cynthia. I said, Brian, you're sending your wife when you're on, on missions and stuff, man. But, um, but we love them very much. We honor them. And we are proud of you guys. I heard last, last week you guys had 10 years of have, being a church. Let's give it up for the church, man. That is phenomenal. Um, I don't know what the stats are, but I, I've heard them before. Many, many churches are closing down each year. I believe it's in the hundreds every year. Churches close down all across America. So it's great to be a part of a church that's not closing down, but that's growing and uh, making a difference, and so that's fantastic. You guys are doing a great, great job. Follow with me in the scriptures. Um, I'm going to share a lot of scriptures with you today. The first one is going to be from Ephesians chapter 4. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. All the scriptures that I'll read will be from there. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 16 will be our opening text. If you don't have your Bible, you could follow along with me on the screen. It says this, Jesus, or He, makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Today I want to talk to you from the subject, Becoming a Team Player. Becoming a Team Player. I believe that when we're a team player, it's vitally important that every part does its part and there's something for us to gain as we are a team player. And we should be a team player because it's all about Jesus Christ. Now, in the 1980s, there was something really bad that was happening in our nation. Uh, Our basketball teams, when the Olympics came would be getting whipped uh, when, it, when they played internationally uh, in the Olympics because we would send our college kids to go play the rest of the world's professional uh, players. And we would always, you know, get losing really bad. And the rest of the world thought they had one up on us. But really, we have the best players in the world. And so somebody got the bright idea that they were going to redeem American basketball. And they decided to put together this team called what? The dream team. 
And the dream team was composed of a bunch of phenomenal players, perhaps the greatest players who ever lived in the world at that time, and maybe even since then. It was players like Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, Michael Jordan, all these individual superstars that came together and collaborated together to create an amazing thing called the Dream Team. And I mean, we were beating people by like 40 points, and it was just an amazing thing. And I can even remember being a young kid in about middle school uh, or uh, maybe even late elementary school being so proud to be an American because we had the Dream Team. And um, those guys just worked together so amazingly. And because they came together and passed the ball and worked together and encouraged each other, they took their individual talents, they did something great. Now what's amazing about the Dream Team is, is even though how great Michael Jordan was or Larry Bird or Magic Johnson, individually, they still needed each other to do something great. That's what I'm talking to you today about. Becoming a team player for the greater good. I've only lived on this earth for 34 years, late or early 30s, mid 30s. Uh, but when I was a kid, I had a great childhood. And uh, I had great parents who always took care of me and took us, got us involved in baseball, and we got to spend the night at my friend's house. And I had a tremendous childhood. And really, my mom took care of a lot of my stuff. If I ever needed something, she was there to help me. But as I've gotten a little bit older... I've noticed that life is sometimes hard. Sometimes, you know, I don't have my mom holding my hand anymore. I've got to pay the bills. I've got to confront the issues. I've got to handle when the car is broken. Life can be hard. Do I have an amen from anybody? And so I kind of view an illustration today that life is kind of like a war. This is the battle that we're in each and every day, each and every week. And if we were to be in a war, you might understand this illustration. Someone gets in a war, they, they need the person, you know, next to them. Or they need the person beside them shooting at the same target that they're shooting at. I, I could see just two people, two men, two Marines getting a, in a fight, you know, at lunch because someone cut in front of the other guy. But when they get in a gunfight, it doesn't matter what happened in the chow hall. I need you behind me shooting while I shoot this way and you shoot that way. We're going to get back to back and we're going to work this thing out so we don't die. Or maybe when it's raining, those two Marines, they don't want to put their face in the mud, so they'll lean up against each other in the rain, and they'll sleep back to back. And that's what I'm talking to you today, the fact that we need each other. This scripture that we read uh, from the New Living Translation, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 16, in the New Living Translation, it uses the word joint. It says, as each joint supplies. So I did a little study on joints. Joints are very, very important. You can't see them and probably you're going to go, you would have gone throughout your whole week not thinking about your joints, but your joints are very important. They do two things. Number one, they connect the bones together. That's what they do. They connect the bones together so that the whole skeleton can stand up straight and then the muscles can go on top of that. Without your joints, your whole body will just completely fall apart. You wouldn't be able to do anything. you just actually just crumble completely without your joints. And you know what? The Bible says that we are each a joint and we need to supply. So what that means for us today is that as each individual comes together, we form today in this building the body of Christ, this local body out here in Loxahatchee. 
And so it's so vitally important that we come together so that the body of Christ might run and do what the body of Christ is called to do here in Loxahatchee. So that's the first thing that joints do. They connect the bones together. The second thing that they do is that they provide the joints movement. If any of you have joint pain, you would understand this better than me. But when joints begin to deteriorate, when they don't give life, but they begin to die, that's when you get joint pain because the joints, the, the bone begins to rub up against the other bone and you begin to get friction. I thought about how important it is for each joint to be fresh, for each joint to be flourishing, and for each joint to give back into the body. And that's what you're called to do this morning. You're called to be a joint to the body of Christ and supply. Now, some of you might say, Dan, I don't have anything to give. I want you to know today that you have something to give to this body. Every single person has something to give. And so today what I want to do is I want to share three little things that you can do to be a team player. I'm going to share these three little things, and I'm going to have a closing, and then I'm going to send you out, and we might be able to turn off that music behind me. <laughs> we might be able to catch the final, game, the final few seconds of the Dolphins game. If you know the score, please do not tell me. I don't want to know. I'm recording it. They're playing in London today, so we had a 9.30 game. Man, I almost started praying in tongues. I need your help today. Anyways... Let me give you these three things that you need to be a team player. Number one, have the right attitude. If we're going to be a team player, it's so vitally important, church, that we have the right attitude. I remember my fifth grade teacher. My fifth grade teacher, his name was Mr. Grace. Oh, I love Mr. Grace. This guy was amazing. He was about 60 years old. And uh, he could have been a Santa Claus if his beard was just a little bit longer. He had a white full beard, short, uh, short hair, white balding, and a, and a big belly. And Mr. Grace would always give me two grays for each test. The bottom grade was the grade for my test. And you know how teachers, they always write in that red ink. So he would always give me one grade, and a lot of times if it was a math quiz, I'd get like a C plus or a B minus if I was lucky. Struggled with math. And that grade was for my quiz. But then above that grade was a grade that I would take with me outside of that fifth grade classroom, and I would carry with me for the rest of my life. The top grade that he would always give was a grade for attitude. I would always get a grade for my tests, oftentimes C plus or B minus. And then above that, he would always give me an A plus for attitude. And then after that, he would say something that stuck with me even till today. That attitude is everything. Isn't that right? Attitude is everything. You could be the greatest, most competent worker on your job. But if you have a terrible attitude, nobody will want to work with you. People who are less skilled will be getting promoted over you. You'll be like, why aren't they promoting me? Because your attitude stinks. If we're going to be a team player, we must have the right attitude. 
Let me share this scripture with you from Philippians chapter 2. On the screen you'll see it. It says this. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. This is what we're called to, church. Now, I didn't put it on the screens, but after he begins to describe the attitude that Jesus had. And that was this. That Jesus, I'm going to give it to you, the Lake Worth version. Jesus was up in heaven chilling. Having a great time. Having angels worshiping him. And he looked down on our condition that we were sinful and needing of a savior. And he said, Father God, I'll go and I'll leave heaven and I'll come down and help them. This attitude of concerning ourselves with others is the same attitude that we should have. I told you the last time was the last time that I was here that I just had the opportunity to get a degree from Southeastern University. And I did it online which was incredibly convenient because I was able to do it from my living room or do the work at, at Starbucks or watch a little bit of Netflix while I was doing my homework. Uh, it was awesome online. One challenge with doing online degrees is that I felt a little bit disconnected from the campus. And if I needed something, I would have to call and I'd have to talk to three people before I get the right answer. It was a little bit of a challenge being disconnected, not being on the campus. But when graduation came, I went to the campus. And I got to see this beautiful statue that they have right in the center of Southeastern University. And that's of Jesus kneeling down and washing the Apostle Peter's feet. And the whole purpose, the whole focus of that university's leadership program is something they call servant leadership. To be concerned with others. The whole university, that's their, that's their mission, to develop servant leaders, to have the same attitude that Jesus Christ had. And I believe that if Southeastern University has that as their number one goal, I believe it would be profitable for us here at TCI West to also continue adopting that philosophy. To become, say, I want to be a team player. What does that mean? Number one, to have the right attitude. Look at this, what it says here, the definition that I'll give you today. Serving or the, having the right attitude means you put yourself aside and you concern yourself with other people's needs. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. Me and my wife, Joanna, we have a little tiny family that we're beginning to start. We have a little daughter, about two months old, Sally Grace. And I'll just be going to, I'm going to have a confession to you today that sometimes I get into my head that I don't want to do anything for anybody except spend time with my wife and my daughter. That's all I want to do. Now, some of you are looking at, you, at me like, you're the pastor and that's all you want to do. I'm just going to be honest with you. That's all I want to do is spend time with my two ladies, my wife and my daughter. In fact, today, I got here to the first service about 840, and I had a struggle to leave my house to come preach to you today. Because my little baby girl, she was in her crib and she had just opened her eyes. And she's at this stage where she begins to recognize who we are. It takes her like three or four seconds. She'll be looking at you. And then she'll, oh, that's my daddy. I don't know if that's what she's saying. But what it seems like, 
that's my daddy. And then she gives me this smile, oh my God. I was like, honey, I'm going to call Pastor Cynthia. I'm going to say, you need to get your husband back here because I'm going to stay at home with my daughter today. But you know, I, I couldn't stay at home with my daughter because I had to come here to concern myself with your needs this morning. And that's what having the right attitude is. That we concern ourselves with other people's needs. I wonder how God is calling you to concern yourself with other people's needs. This is the first thing we need for a team player. The second thing we need to have a good team player attitude is to be a person of unity. To be a person of unity. Unity for us at, at, at the church that we serve in is the number one core value that we look for outside of a person's character and integrity with their relationship with God. Obviously, that needs to be the case. But outside of that, the number one core value that we look for in leaders that we're developing is a person of unity. Can you get along with other people? That's what we really can care about. As, as leaders. Now, I had a great revelation about a year ago. I was reading through Paul's epistles, and I was starting with the book of Ephesians. Now, Ephesians is an incredible theological book. In fact, if Paul was to write a book on theology, he would give you the six chapters in Ephesians. It is his dissertation on what they call Pauline theology. It's an incredible book. And in the third chapter, we get statements like how great and how wide and how deep and how long is Christ's love for us. We get that other great verse from the 20th verse of the third chapter where he says, I can do, or God can do exceedingly abundantly more than we can ever ask, think, or imagine. Now, when the preacher comes and preaches that, Oh, boy, we get amens, we get towels waving. Oh, man, we get excited because God can do incredibly more than we can ever ask, think, or imagine. We get real excited. And so after that chapter is chapter 4, obviously. And in chapter 4, the Apostle Paul says this. I, therefore, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. For you have been called by God. I started thinking about that phrase. Lead a life worthy of the calling. And I started wondering, what in the world can be something that I could do that could be a life that is worthy of this incredible calling of God? So I started thinking, maybe God wants me to go down and rent the Sun Life Stadium, that's the stadium that the Dolphins lose about six games a year in, down in Miami. That's a true story. And, and I thought, maybe God wants me to go out and raise a million dollars and rent that stadium and do a whole bunch of promotion and a whole bunch of evangelism and pack that stadium out. I believe it fits about 75,000 people. Preparing evangelistic message and giving an altar call and seeing thousands of people come to the Lord as a result of doing all of that. That's what I thought maybe is a life worthy of this great calling. But do you know what the Apostle Paul in his the Pauline theology gives us right after that? Show us, Ben. He says this. Always be humble and gentle. 
Be patient with each other, making allowance for other people's faults because of your love. To lead a life worthy of the calling of God, verse 3, make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. Wow, how simple. Then I started reading a couple days later. The next book is Philippians. Philippians is a phenomenal book. Philippians was written when Paul was in prison. He was probably going to die. And they nicknamed the book of Philippians the book of joy. Because while Paul is in prison, he's telling them to take heart and have joy. It's it's where we get the great phrase from Philippians 1.21 where he says, For me to live is Christ. For me to die is gain. We've heard that message all the time. It's better to be in heaven, but for your sake, I'll be here on earth. Now, the Apostle Paul's writing this verse, this book, to the people who lived in a city called Philippi. And I can just imagine someone, some young kid, maybe about 17 years old, reading this passage and thinking these thoughts after he reads what Ben's going to show you on chapter 2. Paul writes this, Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? any comfort of His love, any fellowship together in the Spirit, are your hearts tender, compassionate, look, then make me truly happy by. And I can imagine 2,000 years ago, some young boy reading this message in an old Jewish home, hearing Paul saying, thinking this, Paul's in prison. He's probably going to die. And I'm hearing this message from Paul writing to me in prison. And Paul is telling me that I can make him happy by. And I started thinking, I wonder what I can do to make the Apostle Paul happy who is in prison right now. And this is what he says. He says, make me happy by doing these things, agreeing wholeheartedly with each other. Show it for us, Ben. Agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourself. Don't look out for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. I believe that God wants us to be a person of unity. And then finally, I was reading the book of Colossians, the next book over. And I'm reading this. Now, Colossians is an incredible book. The Apostle Paul was writing to the people who lived in a city called Colossae. And he was writing them for one reason. Because there was people in that city who was coming to these young believers. And they were talking about how Jesus is not the Lord. They were saying how he's just kind of like an angel. He's just elevated a little bit above humans, but he's not fully God. And so Paul wrote this whole uh, letter to tell them that Christ is the Lord. We get great phrases in there about who the person of Christ is, like Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. He is the visible image of the invisible God. And then in the third chapter, he tells them this. Since you have been raised to a new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven and not the things of earth. Since God chose you to be his holy people, he loves, you must. Now stop right there. In verse 2, I started thinking about that. I could see some young kid, maybe about 20 years old, going to Oral Roberts University and his professor telling him to memorize this chapter. 
and this young man waking up at about 6 o'clock in the morning, and him reading that passage, memorizing that, where the Apostle Paul said, think about the things of heaven and not the things of earth. And I could see him walking to school early or walking around that campus and him just beginning to think about, oh, think about the things of heaven and not the things of earth. Think about where, where Christ sit at God's right hand and, and wondering what that might mean for our life. Well, in verse 12, he gives us something very, very simple. And he says this. He says, because of these things, verse 12, clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercies, kindness, Humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Now we got to stop here with verse 13. Stop, stop for a second right there. I could have read that verse, verse 13. We could have taken up the offering and we could have sent you on your way because I'm here to tell you today that we just had church. That's a good place to say amen. You know when you should say amen? When it's hard to do. <laughs> Look at this verse, verse 13. Verse 13, make allowance for each other's faults. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Now that is hard to do. I, I don't know, y'all don't want to say amen, but y'all know inside, y'all should be saying amen. <laughs> Especially when you go to Walmart. <laughs> I'm, hey, I'm so happy y'all are getting a Publix and not a Walmart. I'm just here to tell you, out here in Loxahatchee. And they'll be good for you. Make allowance for each other's people's faults and forgive anyone. Do you know in the Greek, I studied this, in the Greek, which was the original language, the, in the Greek, do you know what anyone means? Everyone. You mean that, that person who, who disrespected me or treated me really bad when I was a kid? You, you mean that person who, who told me I, I would never be nothing? That person who did my family wrong, that's the person I need to forgive? Yes. The Bible is saying that we should forgive anyone who, who offends us. He goes on to say this. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love which binds us together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Church, I want to encourage you today that we are the body of Christ. Say, I am the body of Christ. Hey, hey this is our church family, guys, out here in, in Trinity West. It's so vitally important that we come together and we join together so that the body of Christ might run. And Colossians chapter 3 is telling us just how to do that. And so if we're going to be a team player, just to review, we must understand that we have to be a person of unity. Number, number two. Number one, we have to have the right attitude. The third thing that we must do to be a team player is we must recognize that we all have something to offer. We all have something to offer. Ephesians chapter 4 says, He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. I think about a puzzle piece or a puzzle when we think about we all have something to offer. Now, do we have anybody in the church today who loves doing puzzles? Let me see your hand. 
A few people. How many of you hate doing puzzles? I'm, I'm with the people who hate it. I can't stand it. I don't know what's wrong with my brain. When, when they take those thousand pieces and they place them on the thing, I, I just, I get stressed out. I'm like, where do all these pieces go? I don't like this. And, and so I hear some people, oh, I do, I'm doing, what are you doing? I'm doing, I'm doing a puzzle. I said, why are you doing a puzzle? Oh, I'm doing it to relax. I mean, those things stress me out. I can't stand doing a puzzle. The other day, my wife, uh, she decided to do a puzzle with her mom. And so they got this thousand-piece puzzle. And they took all the puzzles. And it took them like five days to do it. And I had this thought. I did not do it because I understand that a happy wife is a happy life. And I'm not stupid. <laughs> but I had this thought of just taking one of the thousand pieces. It doesn't even matter which one. Just take one. And I could see her looking under the couch. I mean, she'd be looking, where is this puzzle piece? And if I did that, I would have said, honey, you have 999 pieces. What is the big deal of me taking one piece out of the puzzle? And I'm sure she would have said, because it wouldn't complete the puzzle. Do you know that you are one of those thousand pieces. And if your piece is missing, the whole body is hurting. You matter today. Trinity Church, you matter. You have a part to play. Your smile, your giving, your attitude, your part on the team, you matter. Every part matters. Every joint must supply. Another scripture is from 1 Corinthians chapter 12. That's the part where we get the spiritual gifts. And Paul shares all these spiritual gifts and how each, each person has a different spiritual gift. You have a spiritual gift. You have a part to play. And it matters. We need your part. Without you, we're like a puzzle that's missing. Look at the definition that I give you. This means that we recognize that every part is important to our success. Pastor Mark, if you could come up and play behind me, please. The last thing that I want to share with you today is to be reminded that there is something for you to gain when you become a team player. There is something for you to gain when you become a team player. Yes, it's vitally important that you become a team player because like the dream team, the team, the nation, could never get the gold medal without each part of the team coming together. Yes, it's important for you to give your puzzle piece to the puzzle so that the whole puzzle can come together. It's important for you to give for the whole. But it's also too important to remember today, church, that as you give, you also receive. There's something for you to gain when you give your part. I can speak from personal experience. When I was about 20 years old, I started serving at Trinity Central in Lake Worth in the youth ministry. And I would just start, so I started moving chairs. I started cleaning up. I started helping out at events. I mean, whatever was going on with the youth ministry, I was there to help. And this seems kind of maybe superficial, but I think it gives a picture of a spiritual principle. 
It was amazing. Whenever I would go help out at an event, I would always get free food. And you say, well, why is that important? Well, for a 20-year-old kid, that's like everything. When a 20-year-old boy can get free food, it's like getting heaven, you know. I'd be sitting there eating a free hamburger, and I'd be saying, man, church is awesome, you know. I would just love it. I would always, I would always get stuff when I served. I remember one time I was serving Pastor Jonathan, who's a great mentor of mine. And I'd be serving, and we were making notes about something we were going to do, and we were getting all into it, and he let me borrow a pen. It was a very nice, bold piece pen. And I was writing the pen, making the notes, and when I was done, I said, okay, Pastor John, here's your pen back. And he goes, no, Dan, you know what? You can have it. It's just something very small, but I was like, man, I can have this pen. So I took that pen with me, and I just, you know, went on about my day. But it's, it's funny. Just like I received food, and I received something like a pen in the natural. In the spiritual, I was also receiving something so incredible. I was receiving my destiny by serving. Oh, I had a great piece in the puzzle, but I gained something so much more for my life. And the same is true for you. I don't know if you'll receive, I don't know if Pastor Brian will, will let you receive hamburgers. And I don't know if you'll ever get a pen from Trinity West. But I can tell you this that as you supply to the body, you will get to run with the body. As you supply to the skeleton, you will get to go where the skeleton goes, church. So I want to encourage you today, Trinity West, to become a team player. To have the right attitude. Go ahead, you can give it. Go ahead. To have the right attitude to be a person of unity. To recognize that you have a part to play and recognize that you have something to gain from being a team player. The very, very last thing I'm going to say is why should we be a team player? Why should I do these things? For no other reason, church, but that Jesus Christ, as Miss Cynthia was talking about, He gave His life on that old rugged cross for the body of Christ out here in Loxahatchee. Why should I give of my time? Why should I give of my resources? Because Christ died for this church and for this kingdom that he's trying to establish out here. You know, I, I, I can't even remember if I shared this. I did share this part with you. It's very easy for me now to get stuck into the Grittner mission, which is working, making money, and watching Netflix on Friday. That's my mission for the Grittner household, for my household. It would be very easy for us to get into our own families. And I'm not talking about giving something out of balance. I'm not talking about emptying your whole retirement. I'm sure Pastor Brian would love you to. No, I'm just playing. I'm just playing. I'm not talking about getting something out of balance. But I'm talking about recognizing that our life matters. What we give matters so that God's kingdom can come to the earth. That's why we should do it. So that God's kingdom can come to the earth. Bow your heads with me today.
God, I just thank you for each person here today. I thank you for their life, and I thank you for what they have to give. And today, what I want us to do, if you're in here today, and maybe you're already serving on a team, maybe you're in the choir, maybe you're in the band, I don't know what it is that you're doing. Or, if you're in here today and you say, Pastor Dan, I want to I start serving. Maybe I'm not serving, but I want to start serving. And you say, I want to give. I want to be a team player. I want you to stand to your feet and I'm going to pray for you. If you want to become a team player or you feel like you already are a team player, I want you to stand to your feet and I'm going to pray for you.